how are you now? How are you now? Folks, your Montreal Canadiens win 3-2 to two in overtime over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and that one, folks, was a thriller. It was a thriller, all right. Went down to the wire, obviously. We go into overtime. Um, first time that we've seen this team in overtime this year and they did pretty goddamn well. I mean, I don't think you could expect much better, uh, especially considering that they gave up a two-goal lead to start the game. So why don't we do a little recap? We'll talk a little bit about what happened before I get into the performances that were very impressive in this particular game. Um, this one started out really well for the Habs. I was talking about it in the Eyes and the Prize chat. I think that was the best first period that they've played all season so far. I know it's only four games, but first period's been kind of rough to them, and it was not in this one. They were getting the better chances. They were um, definitely leading in shots. I mean, everything was going their way in the first period. However, pretty early on in the game, uh, Montembeau kind of tips a puck out into the faceoff circle, and Danton Heinen snipes it. But wait, they go to review. Turns out he didn't snipe it. It went crossbar down to the post. So it was a double doink and out, no goal. So 0-0. Zero, zero. Habs, after that, really picked up the pace. Sustained pressure. Uh, they forced the Pens to ice it a bunch of times. Uh, they had, again, the better chances, more shots. They just couldn't score. But again, probably their best first period out of the four games that they've played so far. We go into the second period, and the wheels come off for the Montreal Canadiens. They're looking good to start it, but about four minutes in, uh, Marcus Pedersen with a great pass across to Evgeny Malkin. One-timer near the top of the circle makes it one nothing for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we're starting to feel like, you know what, this is going to be one of those games, isn't it? It's going to be that game where they're going to dominate, but somehow they're going to end up losing. And sure enough, it gets worse in that period as well. Again, Evgeny Malkin. This time it's Brian Rust putting it on net uh, with a weak backhander, and Samuel Montembeau just kicks it right out into the slot. Evgeny Malkin is sitting there waiting for it. He puts it in 2 nothing. And that's the score at the end of two periods. However, you know, the deserve to win meter was definitely in favor of the Montreal Canadiens. It was just two, you know, unstoppable shots from Evgeny Malkin that went in. The second one, of course, I do blame Samuel Montembeau for a bad rebound. But other than that, Habs looking like the better team. And early on in the third, we find out why they might be the better team on this night. Nick Suzuki comes streaking in on the left wing, fires a shot. It gets stopped by Casey DeSmith. However, it bounces off the post and goes kind of trickles off to the other side. And Nick Suzuki sticks with it, goes around the net, puts in his own rebound, and makes it 2-1. to one. First NHL point for Caden Gooley on the play, who gets the assist on a beautiful individual effort by Nick Suzuki. But they're in this one. They're right in this game now. And still looking like the better team. They've got the Penguins on their heels. And late in the game, they take Montembeau out of the net for the extra attacker. Caden Gooley. Passes it to Jonathan Drouin, and he throws an absolutely insane pass. Cross seam to Cole Caulfield on the back door. He makes no mistake, 37 goals to go. 37 to go. The countdown is on, folks, and we're going to overtime. And in overtime, whew, three on three is fucking exhilarating, folks. I gotta say, as much as it is a gimmick, 
It is absolutely exhilarating to watch. And the Habs are clearly the better team in the three-on-three portion of that overtime, and they end up drawing a penalty, right? Not long after Cole Caulfield puts a shot directly off the crossbar, Habs are putting tons of pressure on. Pens take a penalty. Now we go to four-on-three. Doesn't go very well to start. Habs go offside. Uh, They're kind of struggling to get into the zone, but then after that face-off, they get into the zone. They start some sustained pressure. Sean Monaghan. Just beautiful patience. He cuts around the top, like goes around the high slot, goes into the opposite face-off circle. And much like Jonathan Drouin did in regulation, he throws a sublime cross-seam pass down to the back door. And who's waiting there to put it in? Kirby Doc. And he does. And it's 3-2 to two for the Montreal Canadiens, the final score. What a game. What a fucking game. That's what I'm looking for this season folks is just some entertainment now obviously yeah you can make an argument that we we want to see them lose more games to get a better shot at a better pick but at the end of the day you also want to see young players take a step forward you also want to be entertained you don't want to sit and just watch them lose five nothing every game so this one is you know you got to savor the games like this where you really get that entertainment factor out of it and boy was there entertainment and boy were there some good performances by young players in this game we're going to have to start with my player of the game in this one, and he was the first star of the night, uh, Kirby Doc. Man, he's had a few really good games so far as a member of the Montreal Canadiens and has deserved to get a goal, uh, I'd say, since pretty much game two, right? I think he struggled a little bit against the Leafs, although he looked pretty good, but since then, he's been excellent. <clears throat> he was all over this game, um, generated a lot of really good scoring chances, uh, absolutely loved what he was bringing out there on the ice and then he gets rewarded finally in overtime with that beautiful pass from Sean Monahan. I mean, Kirby Doc when you look at the trade, right? My my number one concern was not necessarily losing Alexander Romanov. I've talked about this before. They've got young defensemen coming up that they can afford to lose a defenseman in order to add somebody up front, specifically in order to add a center, and they did that. My concern was, you know, should we have kept that pick? Chicago ended up using it on Frank Nazar. He looks like he's going to be a very good player in the future. But I think this trade could end up being looked on very favorably for the Montreal Canadiens if Kirby Doc continues to play the way that he has. He has not had any consistency in his line mates. They've kind of been trying some different combinations, uh, seeing what works, what doesn't work. He didn't have the best stats at five on five in this game but you gotta look at the overall performance the compete level the skating the good hands uh the size man when he drives the center lane he does it he protects the puck i mean i really have enjoyed watching him so far as a member of the montreal Canadiens, and i think that we're well on our way to to having a potential dub for kent hughes when it comes to that trade um, really liking it so far. Player of the game for me in that game, and they agreed with me in the Bell Center. They gave him first star of the night. So um, who else did really well? Well, I already brought him up once. Two assists on the night, Caden Gooley. Again, like I said, you could afford to give up a defenseman to go out and get a center, given that you have young defensemen coming up that you're expecting to be you know, big parts of this team moving forward, and Caden Gooley is one of those players, and Caden Gooley was absolutely fucking magnificent against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, there was a point where he actually pickpocketed Sidney Crosby for the puck. 
I mean, it's, you know, a, a mid-30s Sidney Crosby. T- take from that what you will, but it's still Sidney Crosby. He's still one of the best players in the world right now. And, the, the you know, the, the medal of this kid to go at one of the best players in the world, take the puck from him, it's something. And he was really good in the overtime period. Both of his assists, I mean, the assist for Suzuki, you got to hand most of that to Suzuki. It was a pretty great individual effort. Uh, but his other assist, the one to Drouin, it was just a smart pass, right? And a lot of the times as a defenseman, you have to be able to make those smart passes at the blue line. There's so much made of the really flashy passes, right? We don't have a Kale McCarr. We don't have a guy that's going to absolutely break ankles at the blue line and then make a crazy pass or put it in the net. Caden Gooley, what he does well is those little subtleties to his game where he moves the puck to the right place at the right time more often than he doesn't. And that's what he did there. Giving it to Drouin was smart. He's along the wall. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure there. He kind of shoulder-checked it. He took a look and see, to see whether or not there was anybody bearing down on him. And there wasn't. He moves the puck there. And then Drouin gets to cook. And he gets it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow, great to see you again. Critics agree, Loki Season 2 is... Marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. I mean... You can't say enough about Gouli's game so far. He's been saddled up with uh, David Savard, which, you know, I'm not a big fan of David Savard, as most of you who listen to this podcast will already know. Um, I would love to see Gouli with a different partner because he has done admirably, despite the fact that David Savard uh, doesn't seem to have much care for being in proper defensive position most of the time. I absolutely love Caden Gouli. Uh, Jared Book, one of my partners over at Eyes in the Prize, he tweeted out, he thinks that Caden Gooley has the chance to be the best defenseman that the Canadians will see in this generation, and I agree with him. He has that potential. Get excited about this kid, Habs fans, because uh, he's here to stay. I, I don't see him going down to Laval. I see him playing the entire season with the Habs, and uh, I, I think he's only going to get better. Uh, we saw it during his junior career, right? A lot of those panicky moments that he has with the puck, they, they melt away with more reps. And I think we're going to see that in the show. And, you know, a couple years from now, we're going to be looking at an absolute beast on the blue line for the Montreal Canadiens. Who else played really well? There was there's quite a few. I, I could not possibly get to every single performance without making this podcast like 45 minutes long. Uh, so we'll try to keep it concise. Uh, Sean Monaghan, extremely good game. Uh, he's now sitting at what? He's now got two, three points. I think he's got two points in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. And they got paid a first-round pick just to take him off of Calgary's hands. W. An absolute W for Kent Hughes. Are you kidding me? They might turn him into another first-round pick at the deadline. They might re-sign him. I don't know. I think there's a universe where they re-sign him, depending on the dollars. You know, the dollars and cents are going to be a big part of re-signing anybody moving forward because they're rebuilding. They're not going to want to throw big money at anybody, especially not somebody who's had injury problems. But he's got a shot at earning another contract with the Montreal Canadiens or earning himself a spot on a contender at the deadline and getting another first-round pick for the Montreal Canadiens. So, love that deal. Uh, Sean Monahan looking great. Uh, Jonathan Drouin had a pretty quiet game. I didn't notice him very much. 
but absolutely beautiful pass to set up the Cole Caulfield goal and tie the game. Uh, insane pass. I mean, maybe that's the thing that he needs to get himself going. And then Cole Caulfield. Uh, I tweeted it out during the first period. I was like, Cole Caulfield's getting one tonight. And it took him all the way until like the dying minutes of the game, but he got it. And I mean, what can you say about this kid? He's a straight up assassin out there. He's constantly looking to score. He hit the crossbar. Uh, he had another one that was uh, a beautiful save was made by Casey DeSmith. I think it was in the first period. Might have been in the second period. I'm not entirely sure. But if you rewound and replayed that game and he did everything exactly the same way that he did, he could have had a hat trick. He, he had that many opportunities at goal. And <laughs> this is a guy, again, I said it before, he's going to score 40 goals this season. And we're on our way. We're well on our way. Jordan Harris, another one who had a great game in this game. Um, had a great game in this game. What the fuck are you talking about, Matt? Uh, let me rephrase that. Had a great goddamn game, period. Uh, I like Jordan Harris more with every passing game. He's just super steady back there. The points aren't piling up, but you know what? You're, you're not going to be able to have six defensemen on your team that all score at crazy rates. Jordan Harris is a guy who's just quietly very effective makes the right play. He had a really good shot on goal, actually, in the overtime period. He took a clapper that DeSmith made a really nice glove save on it. He could have ended the game. He had the game on his stick right there, and the velocity that he got on that shot was more than I thought he was capable of. So, again, Jordan Harris, another guy that I think stands a pretty damn good chance of sticking with this roster for the entire season. We'll see, of course. I can't be right about all of these. We know Mike Matheson's going to come back. We know Joel Edmondson's going to come back at some point as well. So that's two more bodies who are NHL players that require waivers that you're not going to be sending them down or anything. So somebody's got to go. I don't know who it's going to be for sure, um, but Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris, very much impressing me so far. And another defenseman that I want to talk about real quick before I stop talking about defensemen is uh, Johnny Kovacevic. He was fantastic in this game. He's had a couple of fantastic games in a row. I mean, these guys are going to make it very hard for Martin Saint-Louis to decide who he's going to play when everybody's healthy. Right now, the least impressive defenseman to me, again, I, I hate to keep bragging on him after a great game like that, but David Sabah. If I have my pick right, as an armchair coach, I'd be like, you're out right now. I would keep Jack Eye, I'd keep Gouley, I'd keep Harris, and I'd keep Kovacevic. I would, I would, I'd boot him. I'd boot David Savar. That's how impressed I am with the other defensemen that have been out there so far. We know Matthias Norlander is also uh, starting off pretty hot in Laval. So, I mean, the, the future is bright on defense. And just for me right now, I, I would prefer to see them ride with the youth than go with the older players. But I also understand, you know, you're not just going to throw an NHL defenseman onto waivers just for the sake of doing it, and they probably won't with David Savard, so something's got to give. But again, it's going to be a tough decision. There's no clear candidate out of any of the young players to just take out. I think, and, and again, I've said this a couple times in previous episodes, I'll say it again, I think Jack Guy is probably the odd man out at this point. I'm a little bit more impressed with Gooley, a little bit more impressed with Harris, and frankly, after this game, a little bit more impressed with Johnny Kovacevic as well. So this is going to be an interesting thing to follow. Once everybody gets healthy, who are they going to put to the side? Don't know. 
Maybe there's no sense in talking about it right now because honestly, I have no clue what they're going to do. It's going to be tough. And then finally, uh, I do want to have a few words about Uri Slavkovsky in there. He had, I would say, his best game of the regular season so far. Um, Playing on the fourth line, still again came in under 10 minutes of ice time, which I don't love. That's honestly my main reason for wanting him to go down to Laval at the moment. I'd like to see him get more minutes. And it seems like they don't intend on giving him more than that for the time being. Now, that being said, put him on the fourth line. So he was with Jake Evans at center and Mike Hoffman on the other side. And that line, they destroyed the Penguins. Possession-wise, scoring chance-wise, destroyed them. Having a fourth line that can do that is very good if you have a team that's uh, in the midst of competing. Right now, we're not in the midst of competing. We're 2-2. Two and two. Sure, we can probably take some games off of better opponents. We just took one, right? Pittsburgh's a better team than Montreal for sure on paper by a pretty wide margin. But they just took one, so clearly they can do that. But that's being able to do that here and there is not what's going to get you into the playoffs. And I really don't think that being on the fourth line is conducive to the development of Uri Slavkovsky uh, as a legitimate offensive threat in the NHL. So I think, again... After the nine games are up, he's better off down in Laval. Um, however, I think for the time being, maybe you keep that line together, right? Mike Hoffman has been brutally ineffective anywhere else that they've used him. Um, he was pretty effective with Evans and Slavkovsky. I mean, he had a couple of brain fart moments in that game, but that line seems to work. Slavkovsky seems pretty comfortable with them, and he generated a couple of really good scoring chances with some really nice passes in that game. Um, I think he's 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 almost there you know he's almost at the point where he's going to start being able to produce some points I really think Laval's the best place for him to fine-tune that and figure out how to do it on a regular basis but we we saw a really good game from him a really good game there's reason to be optimistic at the very least and overall reason to be optimistic about the Montreal Canadiens in general man they are capable of some exciting hockey and like I said right off the jump What do I want? I want to see young players showing some development, playing strong hockey, and I want to see entertainment. And clearly, this team's capable of providing that this season. They're 2-2. They're not doing so bad. But we're expecting more losses. If they came out on the losing end of that, I still would have said, that's a hell of a game. I I still would have said, fuck, I'm entertained by that game. If Pittsburgh was the ones that went on the power play in the overtime period and they ended up scoring, I would have said, fuck it. At least we had an entertaining 60-plus minutes of hockey to watch, and we saw some young players take a step forward. It's good news. It's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm going to cut it off there because we're running we're running over 18 minutes. So since we're énorme pour les employés de soutien, we're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And folks, 37 goals to go. The countdown continues. À la prochaine.